This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. Today we'll be talking about the nature of good and evil, as seen through the eyes of various faiths, with Ghazala Munir, a member of the Muslim faith, Dorothy Powell, a Roman Catholic Christian, and Madhuri Acharya, a member of the Hindu faith. What makes something good? What makes something evil? Does evil take the form of a human likeness? Does good? Are these two merely philosophical opposites of one another, or do they exist? Do they exist alongside one another? Those are questions we're going to be addressing today on Common Threads. I'm joined here in the studio by Ghazala Munir, a member of the Muslim faith. Ghazala, thank you for being with us. Certainly. Dorothy Powell, a Roman Catholic Christian. Dorothy, thank you. Thank you. And Madhuri Acharya, member of the Hindu faith. Thank, thank you. you. So, what is the nature of good? What is the nature of evil? Out of what do they come? Dorothy Powell? Unfair. <laughs> Start this, huh? Uh, I suppose I would just have to go back to the Augustinian um, Thomistic tradition that evil is simply the, not the negation, the lack of absence of good. Good meaning perfection intended in creation. Perfection how? Perfection following what model? It is, it is perfection in, in the following of what? Is it a model set by God, a, a prescribed behavior? Well, yes, of course, if, if we're saying that, that evil is the absence of good, then ultimately good is whatever it is that we call God. Okay. Um, on the other hand, obviously, we're not all God. Um, whatever it was that God intended in creation, in creating the, the human, the dog, the tree, whatever, whatever God's ultimate intent in that creation was, to the extent that it fails to reach its potential of perfection, it is evil. Gotcha. And Madhuri Acharya, from the, from the Hindu standpoint, are we all God, or is it a matter of potential? It's a matter of potential. We are not all God, not yet. <laughs> what is the nature of good? Are, is it a prescribed behavior? Is it? It is a prescribed behavior, and it is uh, something that also comes within us, from within us. And uh, I think there are some outside influences, but uh, really, what is it comes? What we don't, when we think of ourselves as just uh, ego, and ourselves in a selfish way, then whatever behavior comes out will be evil and will be negative behavior. And when we think of others first and uh, positive behavior towards them, then that will come out as good. Okay. Kazala Munir. Well, I will go uh, to the very simple fact that, um, the, as, as you asked, is it prescribed? Well, what is prescribed is uh, God consciousness at all times. And uh, if we stay close to that concept that God is always uh, within us in a way because it is described in the Quran that God is closer than your jugular vein. So God is in a way part of you uh, and that is perhaps very philosophically um, intended. Yet this God consciousness will lead you to good and um, and perfection and when, when you're removed from God and um, don't intend to do his will, that is when you are driven towards um, the evil nature of man, which I think um, is is a part of creation, uh, the way humans are created. Um, 
and it has we've seen through times this is how human beings have behaved and part of us is good and part of it is not and that is and nothing is destined i think we are given the choices so uh for us muslims to stay um to have this god consciousness at all times then we go back to the five basic pillars of islam and one of it is um one of it is the the five prayers and personally for myself i i believe that just getting up in the morning and thinking about my day and regulating it with god on my mind is what drives me towards goodness not that i don't think about any bad things all day but at least it gives me a chance to um explore that part of me sure on the matter of destination on the matter of whether things are predetermined or if it's a choice that we make how would a how would a hindu standpoint react to that madhu yeah that is a very big question as far as uh, then we go to the theory of karma and some of the some of our actions karma is really our threefold actions part of it is like all the total karmas from before and some of it is are the karmas that are bearing fruit in this lifetime and the next and whatever actions we do now they will bear fruit later on it could be later in this life or la- later afterwards and those are the threefold we have control over the part of karmas that we will cre- do now actions that we will do now we have control over i can choose to do good or evil because i can think and i can make my judgment and do that and that if i do something good obviously it's going to have lots of repercussions in good ways not just on my impressions on my soul but as as far as other people around me also but i have control over that but i do not have control over what has gone on before within this within the scope of this lifetime within the scope of even the previous lifetime okay. you know even the previous life i don't whatever is gone has gone i don't have control over that but i do certainly have power over what's going to come okay so you're saying it's a matter of choice and consequences yes absolutely dorothy paulo does that follow from a roman catholic perspective well not the part about previous lifetimes okay but certainly um in as much as um human beings have free will to determine their own ultimate destiny but i would like to just jump away from that Fire if away. i can please um we started out talking about an good and evil from an existential viewpoint and jumped immediately into moral good and and i think we're we're going all kinds of different directions sure um when we started talking about good or evil from an existential viewpoint um good being the ultimate perfection for which a thing was created um i really think that you know philosophical and who cares as that sounds um leads us uh, to some strange perspectives on things sometimes How if do you mean? if we come from the thomistic augustinian tradition um that god created everything in a state of perfection from which it somehow fell Slipped. sure um so now there are these gaps or areas or imperfections which we call evil existentially um then we are in a state of evil um existentially not morally un- until we fill up that gap until we reach the perfection on the other hand if you took a more modern or scientific viewpoint perhaps that the perfection in which god created things is an evolutionary act which is at this moment 
at the precise stage which it is, which it is supposed to be, um, then it is perfect at all times. At all times. And there is no such thing as existential evil in nature. There's only moral evil. Um, which again sounds like so what <laughs> until you get for at least Catholics into questions like homosexuality and so on and then you can't talk about a state being existentially evil it simply is what it is or is on its way to an evolution but an evolution that was intended from the beginning it, it has a real impact then on the questions of moral evil and guilt and choice and so on. Okay, and, and certainly one distinction necessary to draw that you did draw is the, the evolution that you speak of occurs within the scope of one human lifetime. Yes. Okay. Well, within this question of, of an existential versus moral evil, um, getting back to Dorothy's bringing us back on track, referring to the existential nature of things, we should begin there. Um, how, what, are the, what are the reactions? We've talked about a, uh, a falling within the Christian perspective. Does that exist within the... Uh, within the Muslim faith? No, there is no such thing as falling. And I was go just going to ask, does that mean the original sin? Well, we believe that human beings were not born in sin. They're not born in sin, that they are born pure. And a baby is considered pure. And uh, so from then on, we are given chances in life. We are, uh, and part of it is uh, circumstantial, of course, where you are what happens in a lifetime, who are your guides, uh, what are your guidelines, your limitations. And um, uh, so it's you build up your salvation. So each one of us is responsible for our own salvation. And I found sometimes it's very difficult for especially Christians to understand that because they have asked me, uh, how are you so sure that you are going to reach heaven? Because you are responsible for yourself. You don't um, believe. Uh, you know, uh, this kind of a question I've always been asked, and I would like to ask Dorothy, where is it stemming from? Well, I suppose from Christian doctrine um, that Christ is our Savior, mm -hmm. that in the divine plan, because somehow imperfection entered the human race, uh, it needed to be saved, redeemed, made whole, um, and that that happened by God's design in the person or through the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, in baptism into him, then, we achieve the perfection we need to work out our own salvation. It comes down in the end to the same thing. We're still all responsible mm -hmm. for the moral good or evil that we choose um, that determines our life. So it well, it's just, I, I think the difference being that we ha ha sense that need for this intervention, which mm -hmm. you don't because you don't have to deal with the doctrine of original sin, which mm -hmm. Augustine invented in the fourth century. Invented? Oh, that was, oh really? It was invented in the fourth century? <laughs> this isn't going on the air, is it? <laughs> I wasn't supposed to well, say my, that. Well, my question, was. can I just follow up the discussion? Or do you By all means, no, okay. please. Um, then I think that, and I know, Dorothy, you personally don't believe that, but then that leaves, um, what is it, um, two-thirds of the world population out of salvation? I mean, uh, how are we going to be salvaged in the end? Okay. <laughs> um, Catholic, I, I can, uh, and I know everybody certainly would not agree, Catholic Christian doctrine 
officially, I mean, I'm not just talking for me, mm -hmm. officially, according to the documents of the Second Vatican Council, Catholic Christian doctrine would hold firmly that salvation, the perfection of humanity, enters the world through Jesus the Christ, through whom all human beings can be brought to salvation, and specifically mentions Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, etc. Oh, it does And agree. goes in great detail, in fact, not great detail, in some detail, into the particularly what what the current fathers of the church would see as the particularly beautiful aspects of those faiths, and states that members of those religions um, are can be, because they have to work it out themselves, come to salvation through their own religions. However, you know, we would still have that overriding notion that this has all been made possible through Christ. I see. Which other people may not particularly appreciate, but no. <laughs> Has your question been answered? The yes, I, I think it has been answered very well. Dorothy did a wonderful job answering it, but then I have to take part of the blame as a Muslim, how Muslims feel that the rest of the world is not going to be saved because um, they are holding Jesus as partners with God and they're dealing with a dual or duality or the trinity of God, whereas God is... Um, is the unity of God is so stressed in Islam. So, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, according to the, and I don't know how to, how, which category to put people in who believe that, but that's a large number of Muslims who do believe that, and I seem to be an exception. Oh, and, and there, there are, are some... certainly a large number of Christians and a large number mm -hmm. even of Catholics who mm -hmm. have never read the documents of the Second Vatican Council mm -hmm. who certainly struggle, and, and I have to struggle reading our own scriptures with yeah. all those notions of salvation. Certainly. Yeah, un unity of, uh, you know, God is really stressed in Hinduism too, and it's all there is is God. And uh, so for us, you know, the historical, for me personally, in his, one historical event creates a problem. I mean, that's fine. I have no, no difficulty with believing in Jesus. Even as son of God, there is no problem. But then to say that this is the only way, is that's the hardest thing for me as a Hindu, because we always say it's, everybody will get salvation, no matter what they believe. Well, though we're talking about salvation, though you hear us talking about <laughs> salvation now, we're here to talk about good and evil here on Common Threads and Interfaith Dialogue, a production of WGVU National Public Radio for West Michigan. I'm Mark Evan Jackson. Madhuri Acharya, is there a notion of original sin within the, the Hindu faith? Are we building up from something or from, from ground zero, or are we merely making up from, from something that's gone awry in the, in the beginning? There is no original sin in um, Hinduism. I mean, at least there's not one that... Uh, I'm aware of, and as uh, even Kazala said, my friend here, that we are pure. The At part birth. Of, we are pure. The inside part, the Atman that we talk about, the soul, the spirit is pure. And then somehow, as Dorothy said, somehow the evil has come within us. And evil really, in a way, is the lower nature that we have. Our lower tendencies are, are the evil. And our really aim always is to override that and rise to higher and higher planes. Talk more about the about the lower natures. It's a where, what is the origin of it? Is it from within oneself, or is it uh, the devil made me do it? Is it is it someone tempting you from outside yourself? Oh uh, no, no, there is no there is no concept of the Satan or the uh, devil in uh, Hinduism. It's uh, in some some ways you can say Maya, the force of nature. You know, it, if you go deeper into it, the spirit there is spirit and there is matter. 
the more finer something is, the finer something is, there is more spirit. The lower it is, there is more you know, matter in it. So then the force of nature, uh, God has complete, you know, has power over maya. That is the force of nature. And in some way, if you want to call evil, you can call that that creates problems. And our ignorance is also evil. And that's maya. And that's like, like a curtain that's in front of us, veils in front of us. And our aim is to really remove them one by one till we get to perfection. Okay. Mm. Dorothy Powell, how does that translate into Roman Catholicism, the, the nature of, of the, as, as Madhu referred to them, lower tendencies? Um, is, there, is it more a lower tendency or is it a temptation from the outside? Is it within the individual? So Here we're moving into the scope of moral evil. When Madhu talks, I always have a hard time figuring out why we don't belong to the same church. <laughs> yeah, I felt that too. <laughs> um, because Catholic theology would still hold, in spite of all its baggage of original sin and so on, that humanity is created good is created in the image of God and so has to be created good. Now here you're speaking of individual babies at the time of their birth. Uh -huh. or, okay. Yes. Um, all of humanity sure. uh, is created good in the image of God. However, as St. Paul says, we find ourselves doing that which we would not do and not doing that which we would do, that whatever it is inside us, um, that makes us choose selfishly and often against our own ultimate good, the ignorance that we don't see what the true good really yes. is and so on, which in the fourth century or so got crystallized under this perhaps unfortunate, um, I think many scholars would say now, perhaps unfortunate language of original sin. Um, the Catholic Catechism, just published, would talk about uh, good and evil in terms of fallen angels who are now demons sure. um, and so on. The legion. Yes. The, uh, mm, uh, however, contemporary Catholic theology rarely talks in those terms outside of the people who write the catechisms. Sure. Talks um, much more about uh, whatever it is, the mystery of the natural human tendency not to do what you know you ought to do. Um, and that evil comes from within us, not from without. I see. Ghazala, the Muslim take on that, where, what is the origin of evil? Is it a temptation from an outside force, or is it, uh, is it from within us? Well, I wish I was a, I was a trained psychologist to answer that, but I, from what I've known through experience, it is. It's partially, it is instinctual. Part of it is goodness and good and evil is a part of a human instinct and I would call being selfish as one of the baser instincts but you have to rise above it and I have I question then in what circumstances and what um, what given environments does a human being grow in what kind of a training what kind of limits and and background is there to teach that individual to seek that perfection so how can we blame this one baby who was born pure and then wasn't guided uh, to achieve that perfection? And as far as the concept of a force, like you talked about the devil, the story of creation goes like this, um, and it's in the Quran, relates that when Adam was created, um, 
all the angels were called and God asked them to bow and all but one said I will not because I uh, how, why did you have to create this being when we were worshiping you uh, you know all along and did whatever you wanted at your command and at your service now God's words in the Quran say uh, because I know what you do not know well he still rebels and he is then out of God's kingdom his name as mentioned in the Quran is Iblis and so uh, in general terminology he's called Shaitan or Satan um, a lot of people depends on where you are at your understanding of faith for me Satan is really a part of that instinct that is within us but a lot of people they see Satan as this one angel with wings who is a bad uh, influence on their lives and he's constantly pulling them to to that direction so it really depends on what level of understanding you are and uh, the Quran mentions this story but I believe these are all um, these are uh, lessons for us in myth and philosophy I see. Well, we'll be back to talk about more myths and philosophies with respect to the nature of good and evil, talking with Ghazala Munir, a member of the Muslim faith, Dorothy Powell, a Roman Catholic Christian, and Madhuri Acharya, a member of the Hindu faith. You're listening to Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. I'm no Adams. In Israel, the election of Benjamin Netanyahu part because of the staunch support of the nation's ultra-Orthodox Jewish community. That new political power has created new tensions between religious and secular Jews as the ultra-Orthodox seek to make the rest of the nation's Jews conform to their own conservative behavior. That story later on NPR's All Things Considered. Four o'clock this afternoon at AM 1480 and 88.5 FM WGVU. President Clinton says he will sign the new welfare bill. On the next Fresh Air, we'll hear from New York Times writer Jason DeParo, who covers issues of poverty and social welfare. DeParo will explain what changes we can expect from the new law. I'm Marty Moscowain. Join us for the next Fresh Air. Fresh Air, tonight at 7 on AM 1480 WGVU. This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. I'm Mark Evan Jackson. We're here today talking about the nature of good and evil as seen through the eyes of various faiths with Ghazala Munir, a member of the Muslim faith, Dorothy Powell, a recently excommunicated Roman Catholic, and Madhuri Acharya, a member of the Hindu faith. Before the break, we were talking about nation, uh, notions of uh, Satan and uh, sort of fairy tale notions, those red horns and a forked tongue and, and a tail like a trident things of that nature. Um, would it not follow through all of all the various faiths that it depends where on your spiritual walk, as some say, mm -hmm. you are? Uh, whether it's a concept, 
whether you need to anthropomorphize it and, and make it into a plastic toy that you can look at and have a, a knowledgeable shape of, a, a knowledge of a shape of, or just a, a notion of force. Madhu? Yeah, it's for a Hindu, I think for most Hindus, it is a notion. It's not a personality, it's, okay. it's a notion. Uh, but in mythology, as we were talking about earlier, there is the demons are always portrayed as evil. And if you looked at Ramayana, Ram came on came on this and the earth to rid the earth, the good people from the demon Ravan, and Ravan was as evil as you can think, and that's that's in some way you can say that that's personifying evil. Sure. Through the stories. What what about that character? What was as evil as it can be? What were attributes? He uh, he of course tortured everybody and he stole you know everybody's property and their uh, jewelry and everything and then he even uh, abducted Ra Ram's wife Sita and he wanted to marry her and she wouldn't have any of that and that's how the story was that he takes this army of uh, monkeys and uh, different animals that go from the northern part of India all the way south to where Sri Lanka is today and that's that was his kingdom was there and uh, he and that's how the war starts but ravan was a very intelligent man extremely intelligent man it is said that he had 10 heads he was so brilliant he, has, he had 10 heads mm -hmm. and when when he's trying to when ram is trying to kill him on the battlefield he would you know cut off one head it'll grow again and it kept on going it was almost impossible to kill him because he did also have merits but he also was an evil man Hmm. So that's how the story went. See, what's encouraging about this is that if gods are all, all the gods, all the concepts of gods are male, all the concepts of Satan, evil, is also male. <laughs> it's a well. whole other subject. <laughs> that is a whole other subject. A whole other show, that, I was I'm afraid. Yeah. Could, sure. I, could I say something to I you? I wish you would. Um, uh, for other purposes, before I came here, I was looking at some of the documents of the Second Vatican Council, and one of the references they made to Hinduism was the beauty of the richness of its mythology as well as the depth of its philosophy. And I think sometimes, you know, we get a little sophisticated and think, well, this is all metaphoric language, and, and I certainly believe it is, and so on. And we discount the value of some of those myths. Um, if we had not grown up with our mythologies, we would not be able to philosophize no, or, definitely. yeah, I think th that we need the mythology. Yeah, you are right because I'm guilty of that very often. How do you I mean? mean? I'm guilty of not putting, you know, as much merit or as much value on mythology as I should. Looking at them merely as folk tales or... Folk tales and just discounting them and where I, you know, shouldn't exactly. always do that. Sure. Yeah. Now, isn't, isn't there a, certainly the argument could be made that these folk tales are, are cultural influences brought out, uh, things that we tell our kids to keep them in line, things of that nature. If, if you do this, if you act out in this way, um, this sort of ramification will come to pass. Um, it, certainly that argument could be made, could it not, Dorothy Powell? Not in my house. <laughs> I, um, yes, I certainly, that probably has a great deal to do with the development of those myths in the first place. Here we've certainly made the, the transition into moral moral good, but uh, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is devil as boogeyman type of thing. Um, fear for one's life rather than the joy of perfection. 
Yeah, but I also think, you know, not that I want to give a lot of, of credence to um, anthropomorphizing the devil, but I don't know about other people. I suppose I can only speak about myself. Um, but maybe I'm not unique in this sense that while I do not believe in a principle of evil, that I believe evil is the lack of good, um, nevertheless, I think sometimes we experience and sense, even within ourselves, a, a depth of evil, a depth of the existence of evil in the world that we absolutely cannot explain through human nature or moral choice. Uh, almost a collective evil. And I kind of think maybe that's the, the sense that, that we anthropomorphize out of. We, we don't know how to explain that because evil. Because the, the numbers are so vast, the, the concept is so huge, our human minds can't conceive of it, yes. you're saying? Yes, so you have to put it in some form to deal with it. Sure, sure. Yeah, we ask the questions too sometimes that, why did God do this? You know, we always, you know, when we are so, as we see in the world, as Dorothy said, we ask the question, you know, why did, you know, God do this? And that's, and as you said, that you see the collective evil, and you see, the, and you always say, oh, morality is going down. We always say morality is going down when that happens. But every generation has heard that. I, yeah. I remember hearing it from my parents, and my grandmother used to say, oh, things were just so much better, and I say this to my kids, and we'll go on and on. I mean, it's, things are getting progressively worse. Sure. That, uh, that's in clear moral terms. That's in speaking right. of people's behaviors. Right. right. And I'm not sure if that is really true. I think uh, it's just a matter of um, numbers. You know, there were lesser people in the world at that point, and there was less to um, less to manipulate, there was less to explore, there was, uh, so they were just, it's a, I think it's just relative. And life was simpler. Life was simpler. simpler. So, I mean, today, I think there's no more evil than there was. There was a different kind of evil. Sure. Well, that's a question that's often asked in, in the station here and news gathering agencies all over, whether the news is getting worse or the news coverage is getting better. I mean, here we're, in these days, we're able to, to hear stories from all over the world in an instant and mm -hmm. therefore have greater surface area to mm -hmm. uh, heinous crimes and things of that nature. True. What, uh, what would be the, the perspectives, according to your various faiths, on, for instance, I, I've become aware lately of lots of books along the lines of why do bad things happen to good people and the, mm -hmm. the huge nature of evil. Dorothy, you're cringing. What, how, what are the reactions? I mean, that's sort of, I take this from the huge concept of evil that we just spoke about, that, that the human mind needs to package and compartmentalize in order to, to make it digestible so we can conceive of it in our terms. But um, acts of God, if you will, weather disasters, um, crises, things of that nature. Um, there are those who re refer to those as evil acts and why uh, unexplainable. How would, how, would the, how would you react to that through the eyes of your various face? Gazala. Mm. Well, I think um, there are these, well, as far as floods and you know, thing, disasters like that, those are forces of nature and uh, nobody has any control over them. There's, we have limited control over those. Yet the other um, evils that are going on that we, I have lost my track of thinking in, in a minute. 
I don't know what, where I was going. So reframe your question. I guess what I was asking, you used the model of a flood. If a, if a flood were to wipe out a busload of very, very pious people, mm-hmm. uh, what would be the what would be oh, okay. causes behind that? It, would that okay. be framed in evil? Is that okay. explainable for another reason? Or I'm not looking to explain things away, but just you know how there are those who look at that as an unexplainable act of supreme evil. Well, I think we all do. At the moment, this is our reaction. Why me? Why? But I think you quickly start adjusting to the fact that um, as, as uh, my philosophy is from my faith, uh, and, and I think that is classic Islamic philosophy, that you are tested in your life, that God, these are tests. And uh, there are things that happen, but whether you, with, whether you stand firm and still have your faith intact, and what we're supposed to say is, God, you did all these things that are so good. Everything has been provided to us. This was so wonderful. And this is also what I will accept if it is your will. This is your will. I bow to your will. And it's not easy to do. It, it, you know, it's just not human nature to instantly say, well, I accept this. We don't. We, the, the first part is, why? Why me? Sure. Why these innocent people? Dorothy Powell, does that sound like a familiar answer? Yeah, it does. Um, I was thinking about that recently. I saw a program on television. Don't remember what channel or what program. Um, Very on, likely Channel 35, uh, WGBU probably. Public Broadcasting. On, I, I, you know, I think it was, actually. Sure. Um, on, on various um, overwhelming forces of nature, hurricanes, floods, etc. It was. And, yes. Mm-hmm. And the part that really struck me was the um, volcanic explosions in Hawaii and the destruction of such incredible beauty, wiping out of human life, villages, anything that got in its way. If, if ever I wanted to see evil personified in nature, that would have been my choice. And yet the commentator pointed out that was kind of volcanic eruption is precisely how that all that beauty came into being in the how first the place. Were which got me to thinking, I don't believe there is such a thing as evil in nature. I believe there are forces of nature evolving as the Creator intended those forces to evolve. Um, working out patterns that are so far beyond our understanding um, that to us they are evil in their effects. But I don't believe there is evil in nature. I agree. I see. If we look okay. at, uh, as God, for God, as creator, preserver, and uh, not destroyer, but dis- you know, there's resolution of or something as you talked about the volcano in Hawaii. So really out of that, what we may call as evil force, it's not really evil, and something new and beautiful is coming out of it. And it's a whole pattern that we really sometimes are not aware of, or we just don't have enough information or enough knowledge to have the whole, you know, to learn the whole pattern and reasoning, you know, reason out what it is. Because it's our lack of knowledge sometimes that makes us say that this is evil, or why is this happening? Because we don't know enough. This, this I can understand, but when a baby dies and someone says, well, something good always comes out of something you don't know. Th- that's where I'm lost. What good can come out of that? Yeah, no good Now, can is that come a personal thing, or yeah. is that an Islamic question that you're asking? Is that something um, that doesn't jive with the... Well, see, I, that's w- what I explained was that according to the Islamic way, you're not supposed to question beyond a certain... Certainly. Um, you know, certain level, and then you give in to God's will and say, you gave me the good times, hard times are there as part of life, and I accept those too. Yet, uh, and people also say, uh, well, you know, there is always some good that comes out of something bad. 
I disagree. I don't know. There, there's. I have a big question about what good can come out of a young person's passing away. No, no good can come out of it. But the way we would explain it is that there are so many interconnected things that we really cannot explain with the limited window of you know. Mm-hmm. We have a, our vision is really just really very narrow-minded. It really is, and we don't know. We don't know if you think of the law of karma and rebirth you don't know what was that baby before in the previous life what made it take that birth what made it what made it come into that family what gave it a disease or a, or a body that wasn't working or had needed to go and that was all the connection they had with that body and the body had to go see that's the soul soul remained soul remained the spirit remained but the body had to go it wasn't fit for that soul so soul discarded the see, body there, that's interesting no? how every faith has justified in us one way or the other that's a, that's a justification that you can accept and I cannot. No, it doesn't. You'll still be sorry and you'll still be hurt and you'll still be pain when mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. But at some point you have to, you know, come to that Dorothy Powell, can, can good come out of the, the example that we're using, the death of a, of a child? Well, our scriptures say that all things can come together unto good for those who love God. Mm-hmm. So the death of that child could be the impetus for a young doctor to seek out the cure for the ailment and thereby and if i were that child's mother i would say that doesn't even begin to justify that mm-hmm. child's Certainly. death but i would have to agree not again on the you know particular in uh, notion of reincarnation but on the broader philosophical notion um or maybe scientific notion um that the universe the whole cosmos uh, is in the charge of uh, power, force that created it, that I call God and believe is good, and that everything happening in that cosmos is ultimately evolving toward good, and that the patterns of that whole process are so far beyond me that I couldn't begin to know it. But from a Christian perspective, um, the baby, the infant who dies while the parents suffer, the infant does not. The infant goes to bliss. Well, how about Holocaust, and how about the the war in Bosnia? See, now you're talking about moral evil. Yeah, well, I I think I keep coming from one to the other, and forgive me for that, but that's, um, you know, I mean, coming out of the Holocaust, this is a big question everybody's asking. Where is God, like you pointed out? Mm -hmm. Where is God? Why does he not intervene? Same as what's happening in Bosnia. We repeated this story all over again. Certainly. And um, that's where I wonder, what, uh, where is that? goodness in human beings that doesn't compel them to look at this and say, well, never again. Yeah, God has given us power, uh, you know, within limits. We have power, we have control over what we do and we don't do. And that's, as far as that is concerned, there was a, this time when Hitler came and he had the ultimate power over that area at that time. And that was, he, one human being that chose evil. So he, he manifested his power for the lower nature within him as, as he did, following yeah. up on what you said earlier. And, and yes. he will surely pay the price for that. But the lower nature the of one man could not have made that happen. It was that man's lower nature appealing to the lower nature in a few of, million of other million. people yes. who allowed it to happen. So since we all have lower nature and somehow there was something in him that made the lower nature in everybody come out. Well, it was know. like Rawan, a very brilliant man. Yeah very brilliant man who had these crazy ideas and and the charisma to move the world, to move the world around Mm -hmm. him to do what they did. 
We just have a couple of minutes uh, left in the program. Let's talk about uh, the human conceptions of the, the end ramifications of, of good and evil, more of, uh, on a factual level to inform our listeners according to the different faiths. What is the ultimate outcome of a, of a good, of doing good in one's life? What is the ultimate outcome of, of doing evil? Um, Manir. Oh, there are beautiful phrases in the Quran talking about heaven where there will be pillows of brocade and there'll be you know, these little carafes of gold and you'll be served and there's um, there are uh, rivers of honey which goes around uh, against all all scientific principles <laughs> of viscosity but there's <laughs> I mean there's uh, rivers of milk and there's olives and date trees which I think was appealing to the people in those the times the culture because this is a desert where Certainly. Islam first appeared but uh, I'll tell you uh, very many educated very very highly educated people do believe that this is what happens. You attain paradise or you go to hell, and hell is described in great detail in the Quran, too. For myself, personally, this is mythology. Okay. And to, to achieve heaven is to achieve that state of bliss, which we're all looking for. I see. And, uh, so Dorothy Powell, Streets of Gold? Uh, yeah, that interested me because, of course, I was not totally aware of that from the Quran. Um, but those are the same images that you get in the Hebrew scriptures from a desert people. And then in the Christian scriptures, they become a city with golden streets and pearl gates and, and the whole business. Sounds beautiful. Yeah, which of course, in it, I'm glad it's there. It's lovely metaphoric language. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we would believe too that um, salvation uh, for the good um, ultimately means uh, union with God. Um, and, and the Christian scriptures do say, and the Christian theology does say, that God rewards the good and punishes the evil. Now, that's open to a wide interpretation, the traditional interpretation being a literal heaven and a literal hell, um, which Catholic uh, theology has really abandoned in terms of literal interpretation as place. Okay. It is state of being in union or not being in union. Many, although it is not, you know, the... Catholic Catechism, many Catholic theologians today would argue for universal salvation, that it is the intention of the creator of the universe to bring it all into a state of perfection and goodness, yes. and that the hell we suffer for our evil deeds is the hell we create for ourselves. Which, using that model, is not a not a fire and brimstone, but merely an absence from the perfection and absence merely. from God. Merely, yes. Well, merely. Madhu. Yeah, I do agree with Dorothy a lot on that, uh, in that respect as far as universal salvation for all of us. And salvation is going to come to us all, no matter what. And for some people, it will take a little longer than others because if you are more evil or more negative forces within us, it's going to take us longer, longer to purify ourselves and get us to a higher level. But salvation is open for all. And there is no, in Hinduism, there isn't that much of a notion of hell and heaven. I think hell and heaven, as Ghazala said, is within us, is what we feel. I can be here and really feel, you know, hell all within me. It's more about things. We have seen people that are mentally deranged sometimes, and they hear voices, they hear, you know, they feel things. The people are, uh, you know, pointing needles or doing all kinds of things, and that's, it's within them. So it's, and feeling of goodness is within us too. Very good. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being with us today. Dorothy Powell is a Roman Catholic Christian. 
at least she was at last report. Ghazala Munir is a member of the Muslim faith, and Madhuri Acharya is a member of the Hindu faith. I'm Mark Evan Jackson, and this is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. Thank you.